0: Welcome to the Discipleship Helps podcast. This podcast is designed to accompany you as you work through the book Discipleship Helps. This book guides us through foundational doctrine every disciple should know. From time to time, you'll be able to pause and write your answers to the questions in the workbook. We encourage you to read each scripture and cover this journey in prayer. So without further ado, let's begin. We hope you enjoy.
1: God, we just thank you for your love. We thank you that uh, we're here tonight. We made it. The devil couldn't stop us. So God, we just, uh, we put everything outside this room uh, aside. We lay it down. Uh, all the, the lies that the enemy is telling us about our value, about all the things we should be worried about, all the things we should be afraid of, uh, we just say no in this moment. We just say no to those things, no to fears, no to insecurities, anxiety, worry, depression. We say no to all those things right now. And it's not that we're making light of it. It's just in light of your power, God, all those things pale. And so, God, we, just, uh, we say yes to your plans for us tonight. We say yes to your will. We say yes to uh, your Holy Spirit. So would you guide us and lead us? We are uh, humble and in need of your grace. And so, Lord, we, uh, we thank you that you're here with us tonight. Thank you for your word of truth. Uh, Lord, may we be tested and approved. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 139? Uh, 139. Yeah. All right. So help me out here a little bit as we dive in. Do we have any homework from last week? No. Okay. Help me out here as we dive in. Can you tell if you have made Jesus Lord of your life? Are you able to tell that? Can someone actually tell that? And be able to say, yes, I have made Jesus Lord of my life. Or no, I haven't made him Lord of my life. Can Are there ways that we can tell if we've done that? Just give me some ways that we can tell whether we've made the Lord Lord of our life. We bear fruit. Okay, so we're not basing our decisions on our feelings. That's good. Okay, what does that mean? It means we're walking it out, like we're practically living out the Word of God. Okay, and why do we do that? Well, one, it demonstrates our love for the Lord. Okay. It also shows that His ways are greater than ours, and we're willing to submit to it. Are His ways greater than ours? Yes. yes. Are there some times where our ways might look like His ways, but just different a little bit? Yeah. Where our ways look like His ways, but just different a little bit? Yeah. Right. Like, for instance, a story in the Bible might be when Saul does kill most of the Amalekites. Right. But leaves King Agag and some of the choicest of the animals. Saul had a way and it very much looked like the Lord's. Right. But when Samuel came, did he get credit for obeying? No. no. So when we obey most of the way. Do we get credit for Do we get partial credit for that? No. Partial credit was really big for me in school. I was really glad, especially in tests where there were only a few questions, right? And each question represented 25% of your total grade. I was really glad for partial credit. Is there partial credit for partial obedience in the kingdom? So we're talking about Jesus being the Lord of our life. Someone tell me what is Lord? What does Lord mean? Help me out. What would you tell someone that has no idea what we're talking about? Master and controller. That sounds sounds a bit like oppressive to me. King? Father? Father? Okay, so I I leave to him my decisions, like what I wear,
2: about
1: what I eat, where I should go, who I hang out with, what I invest in, what I spend my time on. okay so that does sound like what valentine said like a master so he's my master that sounds that sounds kind of harsh i don't know like a little distant that's good that's good how do we understand what you mean by gives us a choice what do you mean So he allows us to say no to him. Yes. Okay. You had something? Uh, yeah, I call him like my beloved. Your beloved, why? Because yeah. um, it's more of like a love story for me. Okay. Okay. A love story. What do you mean? Let's turn to 1 Peter 3. Would you loudly read verse 6, please?
0: Like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master, you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear.
1: So we are like a submissive wife to the Lord. Hmm. Now, if you have problems with the word submission, if you have problems with the word master, if you have problems with authority, are those going to sabotage your relation to Jesus as Lord, potentially? Okay. So if you have problems with submission, problems with master, problems with obedience, problems with, problems with giving up control, that can sabotage your relationship with Jesus as Lord. So we have a choice to either deal with our issues with submission, deal with our issues uh, with obedience and authority or try and make him out to be something that he's not by doing our own thing and then saying that he approves of it, right? We have to take a biblical approach towards submission, towards authority, towards obedience, not because I'm looking to lead you guys someplace that you don't want to go that may have been something that you've experienced in the past maybe you have wrong experiences with authority wrong experiences with a pastor with a father with a mother with a boss with the police with someone you have wrong experiences with some authority and so you have your guard up when it comes to obedience when it comes to submission when it comes to uh recognizing authority you have your guard up what I'm telling you is there's no place for that in the kingdom. There's no place for us to have a problem with authority, with submission, with obedience in the kingdom. That's got to go. Yes.
3: To know him is to love him, And then authority or obedience is not a bad word. It's something you you want to from
1: your heart. Right. That's where we've got to get to. Yes, ma'am. I have a definition for master in first. Okay. Um, the word master in that verse
2: means to whom you belong of which he has the power of deciding. A title of honor expressing re- respect and reverence. Mm.
1: Now, how many of you guys would say you've seen an example of a godly marriage? That's been displayed for you. Okay. If not, that's okay. In a godly marriage, does the husband protect the wife? Yes. Is he her defender? Yes. Does she need to stand up for herself or will he do that for her? Now, is it because she's incapable and weak and ineffective? Is that why? No. Or is it because that's that's his job? That's his job. That's what he's supposed to do. Now, does that diminish the role of a woman? No. No. The problem is when we see things done the wrong way, often what we'll do is when it's a biblical institution, right, we'll decide, you know what, since I've seen it done the wrong way, I'm going to do my own way. This is, this is the problem that we keep getting ourselves into, right? When we see... That God has given instructions, people mess it up, then we say, well, then that doesn't work. No, no, no. God's ways work. People may mess them up, but it doesn't mean that we need to find a new solution. This is still our standard throughout time, for all of time, in any culture, right? So let's go to practically following the Lord. This is on page 139. We're just going to start here. Let's go to Joshua 1.8. When would you say it's more important to understand our relationship to Him as Lord, with Him as Lord, and us as His servants, or us as following Him, His obedient, submissive followers? Is it more important when things are safe and there seems to be no danger, or is it more important when danger is around? When danger is around, right? But where do we often get to practice? when it's safe, right? We get to practice when it's safe. What I feel in my heart is as things are changing in the culture around us, I think things will become less safe. And that's not something that should make us worry. It's not something that we should be anxious about because if we're allowing him to be Lord, then who is our protector and defender? Who is the one who watches out for us and puts us behind his back and takes the blows for us? right? But we have to practice living with him as Lord now while it's safe, while we're safe. We have to practice that now because if what we've been practicing is he's over there and I'm serving a different master and then all of a sudden when danger comes, I think I'm going to know how to live with him as master, how to live with him as Lord. No, no, no. That will be like the virgins with the with the lamps with no oil who will say wait 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 the bridegroom has come we're going to go in and and get some oil or give us some of your oil and they're like no 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 this is our oil you go get some of your own and they go and the bridegroom comes and the gates are closed and there's no time we have to recognize that now is our opportunity to make him lord to recognize him as Lord. Listen to the urgency with Joshua. This is a book that is marked largely by wartime. In Joshua 1.8, Elder Mark, would you read this out, please?
2: Do not let this
0: book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and
1: successful. Now, he's giving him this instruction before he goes off to what? War. Joshua is being instructed, you're about to go off to war. You need to take this book and be careful to do everything that's written in it. What was the book at that time? The Torah, Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Can I ask you guys a question? Do you know your Torah? Do you know your Torah? Because what Joshua was being told before he went off to wartime was do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Be sure to meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it so that you will be prosperous and successful in whatever you do. Do you wanna be prosperous and successful? Are you meditating on it day and night? Do you know your Torah? Because this is how he reveals himself to us through the spirit and through the word. So, what did y'all write? What does Joshua 1 8 tell us to do? Meditate Meditate on it. Dan is whispering, but he said, study. Yes, study it. You got good things to say, Dan. You yell that at the top of your lungs. Study the word. What else did y'all write? Love the Lord with all your mind. What's that? Love Love the Lord with all your mind. Okay, good. Become a living epistle. Anything else? Yep. That's good. That's good. Apply. Good. Let's go to Psalm 1. Have you all ever watched any movies or shows where they're doing boot camp? Yeah. Yeah. They do a boot camp before they go off in the army, yeah. right? Is that right? Am I saying that right? Did I say wrong words? Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe a little. <laughs> they're being really extreme, right? Is this activity that the people are used to when they go into it? No. Or is it a shock for most people? Yeah. Yeah, it's a shock that they're taking these things as seriously as they are. Do people normally get up in your face? What are you doing, you maggot? Is that normally what people do? No, we don't do that. But they get an extreme shaking when they get there. Why is this so important? Someone give me an answer. Why is this so important that they do that? Say it super loud, Luke. That was medium loud. Say it again. Yes. Yes. What did you say, Shane? Why?
0: Because they need everyone to be united. To be Why? In the same way.
1: Why? Because someone's going to die. die
0: if they don't. <laughs>
1: someone's going to die. Why will they die? Because they're going to war. They have to be unified, which requires that their previous way of doing things gets torn down and they learn the new way of doing things. Have you learned the new way of doing things yet? If we're going off to war and everyone has to be unified because people's lives are at stake, have you learned what the Torah tells us? Have you learned God's laws and His ways? Are you meditating on them? How lackadaisical is your approach towards this? Psalm 1. Uh, Summer, would you stand and read Psalm 1 for us, please?
3: they will be condemned at the time of judgment and the sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly,
1: but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. So how does Psalm one distinguish the wicked from the godly? Somebody help me out. On the word? Meditating on the word. Tell me some of the differences that you'll see in Psalm one from what we just read what are the differences between those who are righteous and those who are wicked? Um, stability. Yeah. stability. The righteous are stable. Mm-hmm. Good. What else? What's that? They bear, fruit. they bear fruit. Righteous people bear fruit. What else? What's that? They're disciplined. They're disciplined. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They know, the they know where the source of life is. What else? They prosper. They prosper. Mm-hmm. What else? They surround themselves with the right things. What you got, Andrew? They delight themselves in the law of the Lord. Lord. Do you delight yourself in the law of the Lord? This is not meant to tear anybody down. This is meant to be a wake-up call like that. This is meant to be us getting off the bus and getting shaken. We have to. We have to recognize that life is not all about these extra things that are perishing or coming to nothing. Life really is about this. And we have to let go of this idea, well, I don't want to appear to be a nerd. I don't want to appear to be too extreme, too passionate. I don't want to be one of those Bible thumpers. We have to let go of that. That's all insecurities. That's all fears. That's all based on the approval of man. We have to recognize that there is a way of life and there is a way of death. The righteous will bear fruit. Our discipline know where the source of life is. They are trained. They meditate on the word and the wicked will perish. We have to see it that way. It's important for us to be extreme about our faith. The Muslims got that right. We have to be extreme about our faith. We don't go to kill people. We lay down our lives, Right? we are extreme about giving up our rights to show love to the unlovely because that's what the one who saved us did. He was extreme, wasn't he? Giving up heaven to come down and show love to a bunch of wicked sinners. That's extreme. Let's go to Psalm 119. If you ever want to learn the Hebrew alphabet, it's in Psalm 119. It's the Hebrew alphabet. It's in all of your Bibles. (laughs) Verse 105, Victoria, would you read it for us, please? loud and proud where does a lamp for my feet a light unto my path yes miss vera would you help her out with psalm 119 106 please
2: i have taken a note and consent that i will follow your
1: righteousness law well. mm. josh would you please read 111
0: your statutes are my
1: KC, would you please read 1-12?
0: I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever
3: to the
1: end. Amen. So what should be our response to God's word? Annie, what should be our response to God's word? To follow it with joy. It with joy. Johnny, what do you think? We did it you did it together? <laughs> I'll accept so that. Cute. Matt, what about you? Follow it, keep it, do it. What else? To cherish His Word. How many of you guys are actively reading the Bible daily in here? So look around. If that's not part of your daily routine, recognize that's what these people do. When you look around and when you think about these people and this church, that's what we do. We read the Bible actively, regularly. Right, That's part of our culture. That's who we are. It frames our culture. It helps us understand how to respond to things. Let's go to John 8. Lord May, would you please read uh, verses 31 and 32?
0: So Jesus said to the Judeans who had trusted him, if you obey what I say, then you are really my disciples.
1: You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Good. Right? Yes. Good. So we see you will have the truth and the truth will set you free. Is that right? You will know the truth. I can have this in my hand, on my book stand, on my desk, in my car, in my backpack, next to me, beside me, on top of me, underneath me. I can have it anywhere, but until I know it, I don't get set free by it. Can I know something without truly knowing it? Give me an example, somebody. Someone help me understand that. How can I know something without truly knowing it?
2: Yeah.
0: Um I know how to like fix my laptop if it gets messed up, but I don't really know how they made it or like what everything that went into it or something I haven't fixed yet
1: breaks. Okay, so you say I know my laptop, but you deeper levels. Okay, let's keep going. What I can else? Know
0: of, I can know that I'm priceless, but there's a new level of knowing it when it when it shakes you and then the Lord changes you through knowing
1: it. Now we're talking. What else? Give me one more example. a little bit of a step back. Let's go to the next one. <laughs> What's the next one? Someone give me something. Yes. Was for I never knew you okay. So if I, if I tell Emily, Hey, Emily, the Lord loves you. And she's like, I know he loves me. Does she truly know the depths of his love? She knows in part, she doesn't know fully. What I think is really interesting is I think a lot of people have an idea of what Jesus says. How many people do you know, maybe including yourself, the part that says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, but right before that he says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Right? A lot of times when people are saying if you know know the truth, the truth will set you free, but that's their own truth that they're referencing. That's not his truth. He's saying, here's my truth, obey my commands, and that shows you love me. Okay? Are we obeying his commands? This is to the people that the word was given to that he's talking to. This was not to slackers. These were people who were actually trying. They were trying, but they were missing it. And he's telling them, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Think about this on a day-to-day basis. Are there truths that God says about you that you argue with him about? He's trying to tell you who you are, what your value is, how he feels about you, what your future is going to be, what he thinks about your past. He's trying to tell you these things, but you're arguing with him. So do you know that truth that he's speaking over you? That's why you're not set free yet. So if you want to be free you've got to know the truth that he's speaking over you yeah. well how can i come to know that truth by obeying his commands and it will work out of you this fleshly junk and will open you up to be able to receive his truth that's the way that it works when you start just obeying his commands you think well uh, yeah but i don't, I don't feel that I, I don't you know that's hard and, and and i got other things to do and i'm sleepy right We have all our excuses for why we don't obey His commands, but if we would just obey His commands and do, be generous, forgive, don't be anxious or worried, right? Trust and obey. Lean not on your own understanding. If we begin doing these things, what we would see is it makes space. Some things would break us, just like the military guy, right when we get off the bus, breaking us. We would be broken down by the process of obeying His commands. When we obey his commands, it breaks us down, doesn't it? Anybody ever obeyed his commands and gotten broken down? Let me give you some scripture for that. Uh, He leads me down paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The very next verse says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So if he's leading me down paths of righteousness for his name's sake, then one of those paths might be the valley of the shadow of death. Do you see that? And so he leads me down these places to break me down so that I'll know, I'll know the truth. Because I've been there. And I know the truth. And what does that do to me? I get set free. But the problem is if we don't ever obey his commands, we don't get broken down. Our idolatry remains and we get stuck in our confusion and anxiety. He's just saying, obey my commands. And then what will happen is naturally space will be made in your heart to allow my love in, so that you can know the truth and the truth set you free. I
0: think a lot of times these days that's where the shema difference between hearing and doing gets mixed up, in that people in our culture they hear the word of God or they you know hear these truths, but they don't actually do them, and so they think that they know them, but they really don't know them.
1: Yeah. Yes. So oh, go ahead. Yes. Let us not be hearers only but also doers. So the word here is Shema, and it also means to do. So how do you show that you heard? By doing. If you don't do, you didn't hear, right? S-H-E-M-A or S-C-H-M-A. S-C-H apostrophe M-A. All of them. You'll find all of them when you look them up. Shema. Good. God leads us by His Spirit. Uh, Romans 8.14. Let's go there. Does anybody in here feel incapable of doing what God has called you to do. Is anybody in here feeling capable? Be honest. Let's be honest. Yeah, Yeah, I think overall. Do you know working out your salvation with fear and trembling? When we hear that, like Philippians tells us, right? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. How many of you have thought, and I know we've talked about it before here, but how many of you have thought what that means is like this, working out your salvation with fear and trembling, like, I don't want to get it wrong. Did I get it wrong? Did I just do that wrong? When you think about working out your salvation with fear and trembling, isn't that what comes to mind? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do it right. You know, I'm, I'm trembling before the Lord. I'm, I have fear of the Lord, right? But that's not what it means. Working out your salvation with fear and trembling was a phrase to them that contained an idea. And it was recognizing that you are incapable of doing what God has called you to do, but you're going to do your best. And then what happens? His grace makes up the difference. Our problem is not that his grace is insufficient to make up the lack. Our problem is that we see the lack and then we just don't try. So we see there's no way I could even do it. So what's the point of even trying? Instead of stepping out and being like, I can't do it, but I'm going to try. And then his grace comes in and it's like, whoa, a miracle just delivered me, saved me, rescued me, provided for me, healed me. Yes. So he's using agape and phileo. Agape love would be unconditional love that doesn't require anything in return. And Jesus is asking Peter if he loves him in that way. Peter responds back that he loves him like a brother. The word that he uses, phileo, uh, would be like the brotherly love. And Jesus, at the end, meets him where where he's at and says, do you love me like a brother? And Peter responds, yes. So the idea would be that Jesus meets us where we're at and then takes us forward. So yeah, that's good. Thank you. Romans 8.14. Jamarian, could you read that out for us, please? Oh, real quick. The only requirement I have is if you would stand on your chair as you read it and just read it real loud. You shout it like you're going to get candy. You can stand on your chair. yeah.
2: Yeah. All right.
1: Yes. Yeah. Good job. And what a verse to read. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So let me ask you this Are you led by the Spirit of God? Does the Spirit of God lead you? Throughout the day, do you even give a thought to His Spirit and what He's leading you to do? Do you lead yourself? Or does His Spirit lead you? In a moment, as you begin to feel anger rise, does His Spirit lead you? As you begin to feel anxiety rise, does His Spirit lead you? As you begin to jump into something, does His Spirit lead you? Right? As you're resting in a moment, does His Spirit lead you? Are you led by the Spirit of God? because if the spirit is leading you he will lead you into life and that will identify you as a child of god do you see that so is it possible to really follow god's leading galatians 5:16 Peyton, would you read Galatians 5.16 loudly and then tell everyone what it teaches us, please? Um, Oh, would you stand up, please? Thank you. (laughs) Okay, so she just said, and I want us to talk about this for just a second, that if we're led by the Spirit, what? That if we're led by the Spirit, then we won't want to do things of our, of our flesh. Like, like I used to want to do some things, but now that I'm in the Spirit, I'm feeling like I don't want to do anything. Okay, so all temptation is gone for you. Most of it, yeah. Okay. That's not happening to me. All right, so tell me about it. About what you just said. Um, well, what I got from Galatians
2: five sixteen is the Spirit frees us from our, from our flesh in the sense of, like, it gives us the freedom to choose not to abide by our
1: flesh. I like the way that you phrased that. We have the freedom to choose not to abide by our flesh. Okay. Can you give me a practical example of how that played out in your life? How that played out in my life? Yeah. I like it. Very simple, very plain. Good. Let's go to Romans 2. No, hey, that's got to be the way that it is. That's the way that it is. When we truly understand something truly, we can explain it in a simple way. Right? We're going to go off script for just a second here. So how many of you remember what you were like before you were being led by the Spirit? Yeah, it's rough. It's rough to think about it. It's good to know that we don't have to sin anymore, isn't it? It's good for temptation to be gone. Are we, are we being honest in here? No. Do you all still get tempted in here? Do you still end up doing the things that you don't want to do? Yes. Okay. So let's really be clear about this. Uh, Starting in verse 12, Brad, would you please read uh, 12 through 15, please? And stand and read it, if you would. Uh, This would be Romans 2, yes.
0: that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them.
1: Okay. So let's talk about this principle because it's important. The idea of when it says that Gentiles when they respond, this is the gist of what we just read, when Gentiles respond to this feeling of hey that's wrong or hey that's right, that they are a law unto themselves, right? We just read that, didn't we? So think about that. That means before they knew the law, when they were responding to their conscience, something about that was recognized and acknowledged by heaven, wasn't it? Do you see that? We just read that. Something about Gentiles responding to what they know is the good that they're supposed to do, even their own conscience is telling them before they ever knew the law. That's something about that act of doing the good that you know you're supposed to do, that heaven somehow acknowledges that. The problem is, apart from the law, before we've received the law, before sin was fully awakened in us and we recognized our need for a savior, when we were just a law unto ourselves, weren't we really just doing whatever we thought was best? Weren't we just doing whatever we saw fit? I want to tell you, the difference is exactly what Natalie said. I now have a freedom to choose. And by what power do I have a freedom to choose? By the Spirit. What instructions have I received? The Word of God. So when we talk about the Spirit and truth working in tandem together with us, we want to break that down for just a second. Before, whenever we were saying, before I didn't know what was right or before I was tempted all the time. Listen, let's be honest with ourselves. You still knew what was right and what was wrong, didn't you? Even before you were saved, before you came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Can you not go around and talk to an atheist, which by no logical, there's there's no logical reason for them to be acknowledging a right and wrong, right? Or what is right, what is wrong? Who is instructing them? Right Now, they have their own reasons, philosophical justifications for why they uh, do a right and wrong. But seriously, I mean, down at the heart of it, they shouldn't be acknowledging any right or wrong because who's, who's to tell them what's right and wrong? If they say the governing authorities and we can point back to slavery and all sorts of terrible things that the government or that the leaders have done. So it can't be that. We recognize that we knew right and wrong before, even before we had the law written on our hearts, before we had the spirit of God in us. But the difference is now the Spirit is at work in us and is leading us along. If that's the case, if the reason that we have the freedom to choose is because the Spirit is at work in us, can we silence the Spirit's voice in our lives? Yes. How? How do we do that? Ignore, it. ignore the Spirit's voice. How do I ignore the Spirit's voice? Give me, give me an example. I get okay, I get distracted. So he told me to do something and I'm like, ah, right? What else? <laughs> What else? Uh, if you're getting tempted, you don't take the way of escape. If I'm do. getting tempted and I don't take the way of escape? Okay. Good. Unbelief. Unbelief, so we ignore the spirit's voice through unbelief? A delay. Delay. What do you mean by delay? We like
0: say if, say you're going to like Walmart and you see a homeless person and the spirit it leads you to go speak to them, and you say oh, no, I'll do it after I come back.
1: Okay. So, I'm ignoring the Spirit's voice in that moment. Maybe I forget. Oh, shoot, the Spirit told me to do that, but I didn't do it. Okay? Anything else?
2: Constantly rejecting.
1: What he's been telling you to do. That's what I want to focus on right here for a second. Constantly, he said, constant. Yeah, can you say it louder?
0: Constantly rejecting what he's telling you to
1: do. Constantly rejecting what he's telling you to do. Can you see how if you hold on to unforgiveness, that would be an example of what he just now said? david said in the psalms if i had cherished sin in my heart the lord would not have heard my prayers if i had cherished sin in my heart cherish means to take care of something can we take care of unforgiveness yeah can we take care of worry in that same way are we told not to worry are we told not to be afraid if i hold on to fear can fear be me me holding on to that fear can that be me rejecting the spirit's voice can, it, can the Spirit's voice grow quieter and quieter and quieter? Yeah. And then what happens if I'm now ignoring the Spirit's voice and I'm not listening to what He's telling me to do anymore, but I'm back to the way that I was before as a Gentile, doing whatever I feel is right in my own mind? Look at this, guys, for just a second. And this all is in the vein of the Lord being the ruler and controller and the master of our lives. Because the way that he works is by his word and by his spirit. And so if we get used to silencing the spirit's voice or ignoring the spirit's voice to where now he's recognized that we're not listening anyways. And so his voice has gotten quieter and quieter and our own voice and the lives of the enemy have gotten so loud that they've drowned out the spirit's voice in our lives. And now we're back to where we were in Romans 2, where we're doing according to our conscience what we feel is right or wrong. And now we're just operating by our own logic as to what is right and wrong. Being led by the Spirit is not just so that we don't do wrong anymore. Being led by the Spirit is so now we do what He's destined for us to do. Because there are specific works that were prepared in advance for us to do and the Spirit leads us into those things. And so Him being Lord and controller and master over our lives is not just so that we don't do bad things anymore or do what our conscience tells us is a logically right thing to do, but so that we are literally His agents here at war fighting the right way, listening to our commanding officer and what He tells us to do. Do you see the difference? Now, it's not just us going back to our conscience and ignoring the leading of the Spirit, but listening to what the Spirit leads us to do because those things might not be logical sometimes. Will they? What's an example of something that's not logical, but that the Spirit might ask us to do? Giving up all our possessions. All our possessions. What else? Not go to college. That's a good one. Very specific. Very <laughs> specific. What else? Move, to move, to leave your family, right? To move across the country to a different state, right? What else? What? Food over poop. What's that? Cook
3: food
1: over poop. I'm sure there's a backstory. Ah, yes.
2: I thought you were saying, so
1: so he said, cook food over poop. I thought you were saying to choose to cook food instead of go to the bathroom, but you were saying, I was like, you're like, yeah, I'm often wanting to go to the bathroom, but sometimes my dad tells me to cook food. I'm like, what is the backstory to this thing? Yeah. Anything else?
2: speak what's, up. What's really is, that, uh, Luke, like, is this
1: discipleship class? Is this discipleship class? Yes. Speak up. Luke, would you please speak up, my friend? Would you tell us what you just said? Yes. Good. Good. Illogical. So if we've been living our lives simply doing what we logically felt was right and then calling that the Lord, saying that we belong to him, right? We've now made him into something that he's not. How do these people come before him and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do this and do this and do this? And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. How does that happen if people aren't going their own way, trying to do the right instead of doing wrong, calling at the Lord and thinking that they're okay with Him? When we make Him Lord, when we make Him Master, we don't just try and do more right and not do wrong. We are led by His Spirit to do the things that He has designed for us to do. Or we could revert back to our previous state, Where we do what our conscience tells us is the right thing to do. And we live like that over and over. We don't see the power of God in our life. We don't see miracles. We don't see miraculous provision or miraculous deliverance. And that's how we move along. That's why many people are thinking that they're okay with God. But they're just living according to their conscience and trying to do more right than wrong and calling it God. We're in danger, guys. It's not about us just trying to do more right than wrong. It's about us being led by his spirit to do what he has prepared in advance for you and me to do. That's what it's about. That's living by faith, and that's what pleases the Lord.
0: Because otherwise we're living in our own
1: righteousness. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. And who might this be the most dangerous for? What if you knew this backwards and forwards? That'd be super dangerous. Remember we talked about the rich man last week? Super dangerous. The strong man, the smart man, the good looking man, the man with all the connections. It's harder for him. Why? Because he can do it on his own. The more capable you are, the less dependent you are. That's why we have to fight extra hard to eliminate pride and to humble ourselves. Nebuchadnezzar, near the end of his life, was humbled. Do you remember that? It's crazy because most people don't remember this part of the story. He was humbled and at the end of his life said, God is able to abase the proud. And then he gets restored back to greater than he was before. Nebuchadnezzar. King of Babylon gets humbled by God. The problem is when you see someone whose life is clearly falling apart, but they're still so prideful and arrogant that they won't humble themselves before God. That's the worst state, when it's clear that their ways aren't working. But the most dangerous is the man who looks like he's got it together, who looks like things are going well, and his pride remains intact right? That's when it's the most dangerous. Why? Because other people are also typically looking to them and following their lead, and that pride is multiplying. All right. Galatians 5.17. Peyton, would you finish that off, please? Read Galatians 5.17 for us. Oh, yes, please. Oh, <laughs> I'm trying to build in you guys confidence and boldness and courage. Do
0: it. do it. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want
1: to do. Good. Good. If you want to really start feeling the high of living by faith, and it is it's a better life, it's a more abundant life is the way that John 10 puts it, right? If you really want to start feeling that, start living by faith, you'll see the enemy truly try and come after you. You'll see the Lord come through in miraculous ways. When we don't live by faith and we just make the logical decisions, every once in a while something good will happen to you because it rains on the just and the unjust, right? But if you truly start living by faith, then you'll be in places where there's no way out. The Lord has to deliver you. And he will. And you'll see that, and your testimony will grow. Right? Because a testimony wasn't just meant to be all the terrible things that you did, and then you got saved. Your testimony is supposed to be a growing story list of all the times that the Lord has come through, all the wonderful things that he did, and that he's doing, and that he will do for you. Yes, sir? Uh,
2: Just uh a
0: testimony about today. Uh, Anthony and I had the opportunity to uh, stand for righteousness as we felt convicted. And uh, and we're still not sure of the full ramifications of that, but it was, a, it was a definitely a, a testing. Um, but what was cool is that we stood by faith. Um, we did not get the job. We actually declined a job. And uh, a few hours later, I got a call um, for a corporate job that paid more than the one we we're going to do. Um, that the Lord just ushered in out of absolutely nowhere. Amen. So, you know, it was like, we took that step of faith. It was like, you know what? No, we're not going to do this. And he was like, kind of like, like good job. And, All right, here you go. I wanted that money for you anyway, so here, I'll give it to you. So, wow, praise God. Awesome testimony.
1: Praise God. Praise God. What do we learn in Galatians 5.17? Somebody help me.
0: The flesh and the spirit are at war.
1: Yes. The flesh and the spirit are Are at war with one another. War, another word for war is conflict. How many of you guys have to deal with conflict in your life? Yeah. Are you someone who avoids conflict? Do you run from conflict? Do you try and pretend like it's not there? Do you just live in that discomfort? Do you choose just not to go to that store anymore? I don't go to that restaurant anymore. I just don't go there anymore because there's conflict and I don't like conflict. We don't talk about this because there's conflict there. I'm guessing that you guys are laughing because you know what I'm talking about, right? Is that how you... Yeah, there you go. It's good. It's nice, isn't it? It's nice not to be afraid of conflict. We're not afraid of conflict because conflict comes to us. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right? Conflict comes to us and we deal with conflict according to the word. Y'all remember the story that I told about the bank, right? When I was working in the bank? Okay. Refresh
0: our this
1: one. Okay. So when I first when I first started out, right? So me and Lindy get married, oh. I am uh, we moved to Houston and I start working at a bank. Uh, It's a giant bank, and I'm super excited because I love math, I love business, I love getting dressed up, love going downtown, (laughs) right? So I was working as a teller at International Bank of Commerce, which was only in Texas and Oklahoma, so I don't know how it was international. (laughs) But I was working there at this bank, and I got to put a tie on. I was a teller making $16,000 a year, and I had made it, right? I was super excited. I got promoted to sales, Ooh. making 22000 a year. Now I was on top of the world, right? Well, one of the jobs of the salespeople is to call people who have overdraft fees and let them know they're overdraft in their account. So they gave me, the new guy, a list of people to call, and I called on the character. It was a customer of our bank, that was the meanest guy, would yell at people, get so mad at people, and I saw his name on the list, and I go, oh no, because even that early on, I still knew this guy had a reputation. He was terrible, angry at people, right? And I called him up, and he had like 300 and something dollars in overdraft fees. And so I told him, and he said, what? Started cursing, and then said, I'm coming down there, and hung up the phone. And then so I'm sitting there, (laughs) a 22-year-old in my, you know, poorly-fitting dress shirt with my tie, now all of a sudden realizing how ill-prepared I am for this conflict that's about to come my way. So I see him walking. We got these big windows because it's downtown. And I see him lurching. And he's he's coming around to the door, and I hide under my desk. (laughs) So I literally, I get under my desk and he comes in into the big lobby and he says, where's Nick? (laughs) And I'm sitting under there and I'm going, oh my gosh, there's no way around, He's, he's coming. And so they point over to my desk and I'm looking through the crack under the desk and he starts coming this way. And so I... Straighten my tie and sit down in my seat. And he comes and he yells at me. He lets me have it. And I tell him, listen, there's nothing I can do. I can give you two of these back. The rest you're going to have to pay. And I realized in that moment, I didn't die. I'm still here. But I realized in that moment, conflict is coming my way. Difficult conversations are coming to me. I can either choose to hide from them or I can embrace it and recognize it. Now, if that's true for physical conversations that we have to have as employees from time to time, or employers, or friends, how much more so the conflict inside us, the fear that we feel, the lies that we've believed, it's there. The problem is we don't see it lurching around the corner coming to us. It more sneaks up on us and paralyzes us or sends us into a tailspin, or causes us to react and push people away. That's the conflict. The flesh and the spirit are at conflict with one another. And too many times we hide under our desk when the flesh comes calling instead of letting our spirit rise up and defeat it. I want to tell you that as children of God, with the Lord as our master, we are called to rise up in the spirit and deal with with the flesh when it comes calling. That has shaped, that story has shaped how I deal with conflict. Many stories like that, right, have shaped how I deal with conflict. Now what I've realized is to shy away from it does me no good. It remains and grows when I shy away from it. I must deal with it. That's right. That's how we know we're children of God. We rise up in the Spirit and deal with the flesh. Right? When we deal with it inside us, we're now ready to deal with it outside of us. Yeah. We'll That's right, man. Okay, how do we yield to the flesh?
0: Deny the Spirit.
1: Deny the Spirit. Anybody else put something different? What What's, What's that? Do what you want. Do what you want. Choose the easier way. Submit to, its Submit to its desires. What are some desires of our flesh? Eat Eat. Eating. All yes, all the time. Sleeping. sleeping. What else? Please don't make me do another thing. No. To be lazy. <laughs> <laughs> to be lazy. What else? What's that? Anger. Lust of the eyes. Lust of the eyes. What else? lust of the flesh what's that <laughs> drunkenness to be drunk or to get drunk yeah. right and and that might even be you could even probably take that deeper right to not be afraid yeah. right to not feel things to numb ourselves right those are temptations now is it good to sleep yeah. is it good to eat food yeah yeah to drink water yes. right which is about the only thing that we can drink <laughs> and tea <laughs> and coffee I can drink coffee. How do we yield to the Spirit? Obey. Obey. Um, Obey. What's that? Desiring the, things he desires. Desiring the things that He desires. How do we yield to the Spirit? Following through on what we speak. What we speak. Okay. Oh, what He speaks. Sorry. Good. Doing what He wants with submission. Doing what he wants with submission. Good. Good. So what do you think Romans 8, 5 through 9 adds to our understanding of being led by God's Spirit? Let's go there. I'm really glad that we're spending two weeks to really drive this home. Uh, Romans 8, 5 through 9. Sydney, would you please stand and read that for us?
0: Okay, and nine Uh you however are controlled not by the sinful nature but by the spirit if the spirit of God lives in you and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ he does not belong to
1: okay someone help me understand this help me understand what we just read I
0: mean I have a scripture that can you go through it and uh
1: if you give me a scripture that definitely goes with it alright
0: Deuteronomy
2: 10
1: alright
0: 12 and 13 okay and now, O oh Israel, what does Jehovah your God ask of you, but to fear Jehovah your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve Jehovah your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe Jehovah's commands and decrees that I am giving to you today for your own good.
2: It's good.
1: So to listen and obey the commands. That's good. We keep hitting that point, don't we? Help me, help me on five through nine, what we just read. Give me a little bit more explanation, summer.
3: Perfect. Perfect.
1: Perfect. I wrote, we can and must live by the Spirit by submitting to God's law. We don't have our minds set on how to please the flesh. So John 14, 26, let's go there. Matthew J. Pay, would you mind reading John 14, 26, please? John 14, 26.
0: With the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance
1: all that I have sent you. Beautiful. What must be a part of our daily lives? What's that? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. What about the Holy Spirit? Prayer. There you go. Prayer. Right? Prayer is where He is speaking to us. Prayer is where we are listening. Okay? Can we pray multiple times throughout the day? Of course, right? Is there something different, something special about taking a break of time and sitting before Him? Right? I want everybody in here regularly, not just to be reading the Word, not just to be in the Word, but also to be consecrating yourself unto the Lord in times of prayer. If that is a part of our regular lives, then what He gives us is what we'll share with other people. Has the Lord ever shown you something and you get excited to share it with someone else? Has that ever happened to you guys? Yeah, absolutely. When you're praying regularly and you're reading the Word regularly, that's going to happen more and more and more. Until that becomes so normal for all of us, what we end up sharing when we get together is all that the Lord has been showing us. And we literally start just sharing what God has revealed to us by His Word and by His Spirit so that we're literally meditating on it day and night, never letting it depart from our mouths, speaking to each other in psalms and hymns and songs. We're speaking the word to one another. We're edifying each other according to what we need. We're building each other up. Do you see the difference? When we're not doing that, we simply have to talk about what we have in common, like sports or cars or work or the kids or whatever else, right? Things that don't satisfy. Yeah. And so look, are those things bad? I'm not trying to demonize those things, although some of them could argue. (laughs) But the point is not that. The point is what's best, because that's what we talk about here. You get plenty of other people talking about what else we can do with our time. There's got to be a place where we can say, but this is what's best. What's best is if the way that we spoke to one another is by the spirit. In accordance with what we need, with what our souls need. And the way that we do that is by living submitted. So we're in John 14:26. Uh, we just uh, read that? Good. Okay. Challenge. Follow Paul's example. Let's go to Philippians 3. I love Philippians. By the way, I think I can uh, go ahead and say with a little bit of authority. I think Philippians is like the discipleship book, the way that he speaks, especially if you're trying to disciple other people, okay? Philippians is gold. The way that Paul speaks and the instructions that he gives, he's so humble but also so confident. He recognizes his shortcomings, but he also takes a stand in boldness as a discipler as a disciple maker. I love Philippians, so I can't say enough about it. Uh, So we're in Philippians 3, 7 through 14. Uh, Andrew, would you mind standing up and reading 7 through 14 for us, please?
0: in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ
1: Jesus. Beautiful beautiful. That's a perfect example of working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah. He's saying I recognize that I don't have it yet, but I'm trying, right? Mm-hmm. And God will make up the difference with his grace. So, following Paul's example, number 1, Natalie, read it out to me, please. Number 1, just read me what number 1 says. Loyalty to the wrong master is useless. Anthony, would you take number 2? Lily, greatest importance. Come on, come on, come on. He was trying to catch us sleeping. Number three, Lily. And number four, Caleb. Pursue the goal with all your with all. Pursue the goal with your all. It does sound weird, yeah. Your heart. I wrote, it's an ongoing journey. So, the question, are you yielding every area of your life to God? I wrote, not fully, but I am pressing on. So, on your own, determine and list what areas you need to yield to your new master. Submit these completely to God. Someone holler out some of the things you wrote. I wrote screen time, complaining, not putting off falsehood when I speak, holding myself to the same standard I hold others to. That's what I wrote. What'd you guys write? Finances. What about finances? The worrying about <clears throat> provision yeah. that's what you're submitting okay what else emotions Emotions. what about emotions uh, submitting, that. submitting your emotions to the Lord good good what else yes Victoria can you stand up and say that real loud please
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what are you submitting to the Lord Will you yeah. speak yeah. very well.
3: Yeah. yeah. Powerful oh God.
1: Amen. What else? Come on, yes. I said, laying, aside my own laying aside your own agenda. Good. good. What else? Yes, city Letting go of control. Yeah. Good. What else, Josh?
0: Selfish desires to waste time and money on myself.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Amen.
1: <laughs> yep. <That's> that <laughs> Doubt and fear. Yeah. Good. Good. What else? Yes, ma'am. Yes.
2: Question of authority in my heart. Um. Like my bosses. Sometimes they say something a little Oh I should have written that down. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't say it, but I can <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Amen. That is a godly desire. That's right. That That's right. Yeah. Like, myself, yes. <laughs> That's a perfect example of conflict. Come on. You dealt with it. That was the spirit versus the flesh. Come on. Good for you. Good for you. That is to your credit. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> what else? Yes, sir.
0: Being merciful.
1: Okay. Being merciful. Like forgiving. Yeah. Letting go.
0: Or really like like uh, Jesus talks about how Gentiles lord their leadership. Okay. Uh, Luke 18, the Pharisee who says, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like this sinner when really we should be praying, Lord, have mercy on me. Mm. Or that in my own thoughts, like somebody would not die unless there was a testimony of two or three witnesses. Mm. Like Who am I to throw the stone?
1: Yeah. Know? Yeah. You know it's interesting when when your accusal uh, caused someone to die. You had to be the first one to throw the stone. So when you accuse someone and it led to their death, they put the first stone in your hand. There's some wisdom in that, isn't there? You sure? You sure that this is what you want? You want to put this person to death, right? Here's the stone. It's interesting, isn't it? What else? Yes, sir. Uh,
0: my lack of self-discipline, and my lack of fasting, uh, and my consistency in prayer and reading the Bible, having a
1: balance. Okay. It's good. It's good. What else? Selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. That's good. What else? These are things that we are yielding to the Lord. Yes, Aria. That's great. Here's here's what's interesting. Uh, Nick Nick brought up, Pastor Nick brought up last night. Uh, we were having a, a leaders meeting, and he brought up the uh, the law of diminishing rights. About diminishing returns. <laughs> he talked about the more that you've been entrusted with, the more that you're responsible for, the more you lay down your rights. What I thought was interesting, so we immediately began talking about it, because that just hit Lindy and I just really hard like yes this is one of those deep shaping principles that we will start to explore but it was brilliant and it's so true what I want to tell you is the more that we learn from the word the more that we have been entrusted with the more that we are responsible for the more that we've been entrusted with a lot of times what we think is that by gaining these things, we will acquire more and that that will be for our own benefit. But really, as we're acquiring this knowledge and this understanding that we're talking about, we are now held accountable for what we're learning. Right? Darn it. (laughs) Rewind. Forget all that stuff, right? We'll go back to being ignorant. No. It's good for us to learn these things and then to be held accountable to them right pursue the goal with your all yield every area of your life to the Lord all right let's rapid fire these so we're gonna do determine the main idea of the following verses I'm gonna dish these out each person that gets a verse I want you to stand up and I want you to give the main idea of that verse all right so Hans why don't you take Revelation 22 13 (laughs) Revelation 17, 14, Rob. Seth, would you take 1 Corinthians 8, 6? Henry, would you take Psalm 73, 24? Jack, would you take Isaiah 42, 16? Katie, would you take Isaiah 30, 21? Uh, Anthony, would you take Psalm 48, 14? Let's see. Dan, would you take Acts 10, 19 through 20? Stephen, would you take John 16, 13? Uh, NECA, would you please take uh, Acts 13, 2? And Mark, Millennium Man, would you please take 1 Chronicles 14, 14 through 16? All right. Is that right? Oh, I skipped Psalm 25, 9? Let's see. Vicki, would you take Psalm 25, 9? Now remember, you stand up, and then you read the verse and then you give the main idea of the verse all right hans hit it off uh,
0: is
1: he's the standard he's he's the whole point He's the point of everything <laughs> Yes, he is the standard. Good. Next, Revelation.
0: Revelation 17:14. They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. Uh, the gist of this is that war is inevitable. Jesus' victory is inevitable. And uh, there are conditions to and descriptions to those who are included in that kingship. That is
1: above all. Yes, come on, Rob. Spitting that knowledge. <laughs> yes. Next. Yet for us there is one God, the
3: Father, for whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we all, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. We're supposed to
1: just sum up? Yep. What's the main idea? Okay, give it to me in your own words then. Y'all, Seth is brilliant. He's playing with y'all right now. So read it to me one more time because I missed it. Someone else help him out. What would y'all write? One God, is all things. One God, all things. I wrote the Lord over everything is our only master. Thank you, Seth. Next. Psalm 73.
0: With your counsel, you will guide me and afterward receive me
1: Good. Yep, I wrote he guides us with his counsel which leads us into glory. Good. Isaiah 42:
0: 42:16 and I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know, in paths that they have not known. I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light. The rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. And I wrote that we lead the trapped in darkness into the light of Christ.
1: Mm. It's good. Isaiah 30. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way of walking. It. Amen. He, said, he teaches you which way to walk. Amen. Mm-hmm. Psalm 48.
3: That you may tell the generation that, it, that, 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 that you may tell the next generation that
0: this is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us forever. This is the context that when the Lord that all the generations will see that he established
1: a Amen. Come on. Acts 10. Acts 10, 19 and
3: 20. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Um, uh, to hear the Holy Spirit, trust the Holy Spirit, uh, and not doubt, do what he says.
1: Amen. 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 I love that that was an actual example of him guiding and showing the way to walk. John 16.
2: But when, he, the whole,
0: but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So I just put that um, the Holy Spirit will lead you by what the Lord directs him to, and he'll show you the things that are
2: going to come.
1: Amen. Amen. Acts thirteen two. While they were worshiping the Lord
0: and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set
2: apart for me benefits and soul for the work to which I have called them. So I wrote down that not just that the Holy Spirit guides us individually, he guides us as a group and lets us know what
1: he wants us to do. That's deep. That's way better than what I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> Psalm twenty five. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. And he said he guides us and teaches us his ways. Amen. Amen. If we're humble. humble. Amen. First Chronicles fourteen. So what's the gist? What's the main idea? Amen. Seek and wait on the Lord and He will lead you. Was this not an example of an unconventional way that the Lord led him? This was different than David's logic. Do you see that? It was the Spirit leading him the proper way into battle. So this is what I want you guys to walk away with tonight as we close up. It is not just about wrong and right. It is about us doing what the Spirit leads us to do, which means we need to hear His voice. And the way that we distinguish His voice from our voice or the enemy's voice is by knowing His character. The way we know His character is by knowing His Word. The Word and the Spirit work in tandem with one another, the Spirit speaks. We listen and know him because we obey his commands and obeying his commands works away our flesh and our microphones, (laughs) obeying his commands works away our flesh and makes room for his truth, which sets us free. You want to stop believing lies that the enemy has been speaking over you? Obey the Lord. Whenever you break, don't quit and give in to your flesh and run to idols. Endure through it. And then all of a sudden, the truth will become realer to you than it's ever been. Yeah. Because you just got killed in the flesh. Right? But then you got raised to life better than you were before.
2: Yeah. Do you see that? Yeah. That's fire. Yeah. 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 Amen. Yeah.
1: Come on, the Lord is good. He has given us everything we need for life and godliness. The conclusion, we are going to get as close to God as we truly want to. Jesus has opened the door so we can actually be led by God in the choices and decisions we face. Make Jesus both Lord and Master, and He will lead you in all your ways. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Make your path straight. <laughs> NIV. Tonight, as we go, be conscious, aware of the battle that is going on. When you walk out of this place, the enemy has all different sorts of ways that he'll respond. He can come at you quick. With bad news, maybe you even got bad news while you are waiting in this meeting, right? He can come at you quick with bad news. He can lay siege. Maybe he sees that you're all fired up from what we got talking about tonight. He'll wait that out, wait until it wears off, till you let your guard down, and then come in to snatch it away, right? He'll do whatever he has to to try and take away this truth. But what's crazy is, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, Right? Trust not in your own understanding, right? He will direct your paths. If you'll trust Him, trust Him. Let your faith rise and defeat the flesh. Amen? Amen. He's our Lord and Master. Good. Any final questions or thoughts? We did good on time, right? Yeah. Any final questions or thoughts? Anything at all? I don't have any homework for you, buddy. Yeah.
2: Mm.
3: and uh, that word prayer there I, I wrote, it was an interesting word when I looked it up because it's wishing towards God Mm it is how that word breaks down and the word faith is uh, thinking that the point which motion begins is worthless
1: and oh wow again, that's crazy deep Rich okay so yeah give that to us again what you were just saying
3: there there's four different words for prayer and that one is kind of wishing towards God uh, is how the word breaks down and then uh, the the men not always to pray and Judge finally give it, and then Jesus concludes that parable and says, uh, Will he finds faith upon the earth when he comes." And mm. uh, so, I kind of look at you know all that we were saying.
1: Wow. That's good. That's good. Any other thoughts or, or questions? Anything at all?
3: Is there a
1: Q&A? No Q&A tonight. Oh. I get the same rowdy bunch each week, and I feel like we just want to hang out together, which is great. <laughs> right? Go ahead.
0: every yeah. area of my life, and not just let some of it go, uh, and I'm trying to take on responsibility to all that is entrusted to me. Yeah. And uh, I, I just wanted your wisdom, or something that's, that are you led by God specifically on this, where the Lord tells you specifically how to rightly divide your time, or um, do you have a balance of your time based on principles? I got you.
1: I got you. So for me, since this is a discipleship class, for me, uh, I would tell you, you have to have vision. Otherwise, you'll just end up getting busy, right? If you don't have vision, you'll just be busy. And you'll squeeze all this stuff in, you'll feel really good for a while, and then you won't know why you're doing what you're doing, you'll just quit everything and get offended with someone and then find a new reason to go somewhere else, right? That's how people that that are doers will end up going through it. But if you have vision, then you know what's most important. First off, one huge conviction that I have is you guys are never interruptions to my day. You guys are never interruptions to what I'm trying to do. My kids are never interruptions. My wife is never an interruption. You are the point, right? So you have to see, you have to remember that too. Like people are never interruptions into what you're trying to do. They are the point. Whatever it is that you're doing, if it's not with the, the Lord or being with the Lord. And sometimes even that, because Jesus kept getting pulled aside and he would allow himself to, right? But if whatever it is that you're doing, if you, if you see people as an interruption, uh, then you need to reprioritize. You need to recognize that people are the point. So with a vision, I have a vision for what I'm doing right now. So the vision that I have has me reading two different books right now. One of the books that I'm reading is When a Jew Rules the World great book I'm almost done uh, and then another one uh, by a Jewish person called uh, Joseph Telushkin. it's called Jewish literacy it's like 637 pages but it's all about just Jewish culture I'm just trying to understand because the vision and I'm, we're going to Israel in 12, 11 12 days and so the what my vision is is that I want to learn here's here's some a little bit of knowledge for you guys real quick and then I'll finish that up. Yeah, yeah. Do you know that Hitler and the laws that they instituted during the Holocaust, that just about every single one of those laws had already been instituted by professing Christians in churches around the world, about not allowing Jews to marry Christians, about changing the holidays and the calendars? You remember reading this? You you remember reading this, Elder Mark? Yeah, absolutely. In this? that all these different laws and regulations, the killing, the, there, there were uh, there are different events in history where they, they called it the first Holocaust, the Crusades that happened around 1000 AD, okay, where Christians went and forced Jews to get baptized and convert, or they would kill them or burn down their stuff, or they would be excommunicated from their country, not excommunicated from the church, excommunicated from their country, Right, They were sent out of France multiple times. I mean, if we were to go into all these different things, it's insane. I have a vision to understand where the separation happened between Jews and Gentiles and for us to get back to that. So I'm doing lots of things that revolve around that. I also have a vision to, to help train you guys up. This is one that my wife and I share and, and us and Pastor Massey Uh, and his wife share, and the elders share, and the deacons share, to train you guys up. And that has me writing the Acts book, right? And so I'm doing that. Uh, My vision for uh, me as a man and as a follower of Christ has me praying and reading his word each day and spending time with him. So these are my vision. Now, I have the set schedule, which is a Bible study on Wednesday morning and this, you know, and then other meetings that we have and then when you guys are wanting to meet I'm making time for you guys so that we can meet right but those are the things that I stay busy with right and then you know I find that when I'm exercising and eating right that I don't get angry as quickly also is a big one so I find that I'm more at peace when I'm getting that energy out each day and it also helps me to have energy when there's long nights and early mornings So I'm able to keep going. So that's what I spend my time on. And it it comes from prayer. If I wasn't praying, I wouldn't have got a vision about training you guys up. Wouldn't have got a vision about, you know, understanding the the Jew and Gentile relationship. All that has come out of prayer. And the only way that I knew it was his voice is because of my time in the word and knowing his character. Yeah. And then date nights. Every week. Every week. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Got to prioritize. And Sabbath on Monday. Yeah. Any other thoughts or questions? Look, I realize many people might not care about anything that I just said. Go ahead. <laughs>
2: what is
1: the, Mishnah? the Mishnah. So the Mishnah is the oral law, right? So when we're hearing about the, the things that the rabbis believe so strongly in, the rabbis believed that the oral law was given at the same time as the Torah, the first five books, which contain the 613 commands. They believe that the oral law was given the same time on the mountain. And so their interpretations and different things that have been gathered along the way, along with the oral law together is called the Mishnah. And so it's a part of their culture. And so they believe that the oral law is just about equal to the written law. They passed it down for hundreds of years, and then ultimately they wrote it down Uh, around 200 BC I think Uh, you can you can uh, get a copy of it now it was written out of necessity in case they were ever expelled from their land and everybody was dispersed they needed to have some standard to be able to reference back to it that's why they wrote it down yeah the books exist you can get the mission now they study it regularly any other questions at all Uh, to, to raise people up that will be pillars here and help establish something so that when people come in, there are other people teaching regularly up here besides just us that we raise up people to go and plant works around this country and around the world and then we spend our time going and being elders to them and helping assist them in the building up process and the people that were raised up here are the ones who are leading everything. So we want to equip and and train you, though, so that you're not just a goofy church planner operating off a $400,000 budget where you ask people to give before the church even starts so that you don't need to rely on the people. We're we're not going to do that. We're going to train people to start it up in their homes because they were impacted so passionately. So they start there as they're working and they're building this ministry up in their home. And then whatever comes from that, glory be to God, right? That's all in, in, in his hands but we believe that that's the model that's been shown to us and that's the model that we see in the word. And so we wanna plant people around the country and around the world and they'll support and then people will go and they'll support other ministries too. And we operate all within the one association and we're partnering with them and that's their same vision for their works and their bodies too, to do that. So we wanna see people who are scholarly in the word, but who are also full of the spirit, not one or the other. Because we got a lot of heady people out there who will sit and just, you know, talk all day long, but there's no power and there's no demonstration of power, right? We want to see people who have the power of the Holy Spirit and who can present the word. Well, can counsel well, because so much of this is not doing a Sunday morning sermon, but is marriage counseling and is counseling individuals. And there's, that's too light now because that's not a standard. People are surprised that we do that here. That, is, that was what we read about. We shouldn't be surprised. That should be the standard. So we have to teach people to counsel others, right? And to be able to give advice, which means they first needed to receive spirit-filled biblical advice so that they can know how to give it. That's discipleship. So that's the vision for the church and for you guys. And the next place that we're going is Acts which is going to be a smaller group of you. But, but that, the whole purpose is once we go through Acts, after we're done with that, we should have people now who are ready, more people who are ready to teach and lead, do a sermon on a Sunday morning, right? Teach and lead small groups. But that class will be where we raise up, you know, our future pastors, our future church planners, the people who will speak and present, the people who will counsel and give advice. So that's ultimately what we're moving towards. Make sense? Yes. What? Okay. All right, let's wrap it up. Uh, Caleb, would you pray for us? Bless you guys.